You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for June 20th, 2021, the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Peter Walsh. It's based on Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. I have told several people that the title of this sermon is Freak Out. And everybody responds in the same way, which is freak out, remembering, as you may, the disco funk hit from the 70s. Now, I have to say that is a fantastic song, right? But that's actually not the topic of the sermon. Though I did think what an incredible, what an incredible homiletic challenge it would be to make freak out the topic of a sermon. No, the, the freak out I'm talking about is the slang term for freaking out when you are completely overwhelmed and the sermon is about everything that we can learn from the disciples freaking out. Now, we're all clear about this. The disciples are freaking out in the gospel that was read this morning. They think they're going to drown. They think they're going to die and they are doubly indignant. They are so, so angry because the guy who got him into it is asleep on a cushion in the back of the boat. And they go to him and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, I love the word perishing in that it brings with this, this great sense of anguish. But the truth is, I doubt they use the word perishing. I mean, think about it. You're about to die and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to perish, right? I think there's a whole slew of other words that we might use instead of perish, particularly since, though this is fresh water, these are all fishermen, right? These are salty, salty human beings. Now, Mark doesn't waste words. Remember, he, he cuts always to the action and he says, he woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was dead calm. Okay, in the Greek, this is like, bang, dead calm. I don't mean like it tapered off. I mean, boom, dead calm. Now, then we get to the two questions in verse 40. And the first one is, Jesus says, why are you so afraid? I got a problem with this question, just saying. So, If I were in the boat, I would be like, oh, the other Peter blurting out the wrong answer all the time. So for generations to come, billions of people could preach about what a dullard this guy was who was in the boat, right? Now, if I was in the boat, I might have said something like this. Hey, it was your idea that we come out here to travel in the middle of the night. It's total darkness. Remember, so if you're out in a boat now on the sound, there's running lights and things like that. There is no light, right? And then it says, a wind arose. The Greek says, like a tornado. A tornado arose. The sea is raging. The boat is rocking, right? They're taking on water. It's starting to get swamped. They think they're going to drown and have a miserable death. And you're asking, why am I so afraid? I might say, because we're normal people. And then Jesus drops on the, O ye of little faith line, right? Have you still no faith? Now, those of you who study the scriptures know that the disciples in Mark's gospel never, ever know what's going on. We, the reader, know what's going on. The disciples never know what's going on. They are dumb as stones, okay? And I have to say, if I was one of them, I would be the leading dumb as a stone, right? I would have been right there with him. And if I got the question, have you still no faith? I would have said, are you kidding me? Right? 
Because what have the disciples seen so far? They have seen, right from the start, that Jesus teaches with authority. The word in the Greek for authority is out of his being. So Jesus teaches out of his being, right? His, his divine being. He doesn't teach like others who have gotten their knowledge this way, right? Knowledge that comes in and then comes out. Jesus' knowledge is an inside-out knowledge. That is the authority with which he teaches. They've also seen him heal. Remember right there in the first day, he heals uh, uh, St. Peter's mother-in-law. St. Peter's mother-in-law is the first disciple. She rises out of bed and serves Jesus. She's the first one. They've also seen him cure the leper. They've also seen him cast out demons. Remember the story where there is a man with an unclean spirit who's in their synagogue, and, and Jesus speaks to the unclean spirit, speaks to the demon, and rebukes the demon and says, be silent, come out of him. Sounds like what he said to the sea, right? And then the question of faith. If we read the gospel, the word faith has only appeared one other time in the gospel, right? And that's that incredible story, such a fantastic story, where Jesus is, is at home, he's in the home, Peter's home, but these homes are small, right? They're only as big as stones can be built in a square and then wood can go across and then thatched and they rip the thatch apart and they drop the man who's the paralytic down onto the floor and Jesus sees this and it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And the paralytic gets up and walks. But that's the only time this question of faith has come up. Back to the boat. But this stilling of the storm, right, there's a totally different category. This is next level. And how could they have ever seen this coming? Now, most sermons, uh, I've, been, I've been preaching nearly 30 years, uh, but most sermons, right, go on these two sentences. Why are you so afraid? And have you still no faith? And here's the summary of the sermon. Next time you hear it, you go, oh, I know what's coming. Yeah, if I just have enough faith, I will not be afraid, and Jesus will still the storms of my life. Yeah, maybe, right? But that's not what this sermon is about, right? And that's actually not what the passage is about, and that is not the experience of the disciple, right? The passage, and therefore this sermon, is not about us, right? It's about Jesus, right? It's not about the storms of our life. It's about the identity of Jesus. And as I said at the beginning, we learn about this identity by the way that the disciples freak out. We learn about this through their fears, and in particular, how the fears are described in the original Greek, okay? So the first, the first word for fear when Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Uh, why are you so deloy? This word talks about cowardice. It talks about being fearful. It talks about lack of courage, which is how these guys and gals felt when they thought the boat was gonna go down, right? They're, they're, they're fearing the storm. They're fearing their death. But the second word for fear in Greek is translated as awe, and in the scriptures today it comes to us, and they were filled with a great awe. Now this is the word that's actually the key to the whole passage, and that word connotes intimidation and reverence, right? And so here's the big deal that no one ever tells you, right? The big deal is that 
after the stealing of the storm, the disciples are not at peace. Right? The stealing of the storm does not calm their fears. The stilling of the storm does not stop them from freaking out. In fact, they are more freaked out after Jesus stills the storm. They have a greater fear. The Greek word, the Greek translation is, they feared a great fear. And so the King James translation kind of gets to this, where it says, Jesus says, I love the ye. Why are ye so fearful? Right? Why are you so fearful? That's fear of the storm. And then he says, oh, and then it says, and they feared exceedingly, right? This is the fear they have that comes after Jesus stills the storm. So it moves from fear to exceeding fear. It moves from fear of the storm to fear of the stilling of the storm. It moves from the fear of death and the fear of water to the fear of God. What the disciples are experiencing is a holy fear, right? They're, they fear the revelation that has just happened, right? This is the fear of a theophany. A theophany is a manifestation of God. And if you look at how, how people react to these manifestations, right? They, with fear and wonder and worship and humility all mixed together. And when that, when that theophany reveals of the godliness of Jesus, we call that an epiphany. Right? And so when we think about what happen, happens in the boat, we should think of Moses at the burning bush. We th- should think of Elijah on that mountainside in the still small voice. We should think of Zechariah in the temple, right? When he doesn't believe what's happening and the angel silences him. We should think of the shepherds in the field. Those of you who have been to Shepherd's Field in Bethlehem, remember that under the altar in the chapel, the altar is held up by four shepherds, and they are cowering. They're holding up the altar too, but they are cowering at the the myriad of angels in the heavens. We should be thinking of Peter and James and John at the Transfiguration, and we should especially be thinking about the disciples' reaction at the end of John's Gospel, when the resurrected Christ is on the beach cooking them breakfast, right? And what does it say? It says the disciples were there, but none dared speak, for they knew who it was. So then at the end, we get this question. Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? That is the question. That's the big question, right? Who then is this? And St. Mark, our patron saint, like any good teacher, gives us the answer in the first sentence. Mark's gospel begins, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Or could be translated, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is the answer. Who then is this? It is the Christ. He is the Son of God. Now you'll notice in the passage, that's not where the disciples are, right? When they wake him up, they call him teacher. They call him rabbi. During the whole gospel, the disciples are trying to figure out this question, who is this? And that is what our patron saint 
compiled that gospel for, is to answer the question, for us, who then is this? Right? We're trying to learn who Jesus is too. So perhaps the challenge of this passage is not, you know, do you have faith that Jesus will calm the storms of your life? No, the challenge of this passage is, how do you think of Jesus? Is he just a teacher, a super duper teacher, or is he the Christ and is he the Son of God? Perhaps what this passage is really about is for us to get in the boat and to be struck dumb, to be struck dumb by the holiness of Jesus. What these people are experiencing is that they're experiencing God. They're experiencing the divinity of God. And they're experiencing that as a complete and different category than what it means to be human and what is humanity. The purpose of this passage is for us to experience God. The purpose of this passage is for us to be dumb, to be stunned into silence by the absolute holiness of Jesus. Find more sermons on our website at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.